Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome back to Dopamine, the show that is all about mental health empowerment. Today on the show, I want to talk about making sense of the world. Uh, this is a very kind of personal topic today because I'm doing my best to make sense of the world, and I figure it's a good topic to talk about helping you make sense of the world uh, and, and the patience that we can try to have in terms of understanding at least having some sense of an intellectual empathy about uh, everyone's experience and what they're experiencing right now in the world when it comes to the global pandemic known as the coronavirus, aka COVID-19. Um, I could pretend to do uh, evergreen uh, content, but I'm I'm immensely distracted by what's going on in the world. So I figure I should use my own podcast as the outlet for what it is I'm experiencing. So Let's go ahead and do the thing. Let's hit the button and let's go on dopamine. Drums, please. If you're an INTP, I'm doing the INTP productivity workshop uh, on April 30th. So if you go sign up for that, it is in, it is bit.ly slash INTP, INTP productivity workshop. Bit.ly slash INTP productivity workshop. All lowercase. Go ahead, get your ticket. It is going to be a private session with me and whoever else signs up. And we're going to talk about productivity, how you can get the most out of your, you know, being an INTP self and be productive while still being yourself and not sacrificing who you are. All right, friend, welcome back to the show. I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming back to this podcast. Even when I know it's not a measure of convenience anymore. I know a lot of people are not listening to podcasts as much because they are not commuting as much. And for a lot of people, podcasts have become a part of their sort of alone time in the car on the way to work. And the world itself, there's a lot of people who are missing their alone time. There are a lot of people who are having too much alone time. Uh, there is this weird, tricky upside down. We're living in the upside down at the moment. Uh, for those of you who have watched Stranger Things, you know what I'm talking about. The upside down in this sense is that people who are used to being extroverted are now being flipped into this introverted space. And everyone who's introverted might have to spend more time with people than they're used to. Or even if you are introverted, you may be alone and spending more time uh, on your own than you're used to, like an extended amount of time that is way too much and it's actually detrimental to your health and growth. Um, and so when I talk about making sense of the world, I'm, I'm talking about for myself because I'm trying to find a way to make sense of not just the chaos, but people's responses. For me, I tend to fixate when I get into extreme stress as an INTP, I fixate on the, the, the big picture of what's going on in terms of human behavior. And for me, if I, if I expand my thinking of human behavior beyond just my sphere of influence, meaning just my partner or just uh, my family or anything like that, 
then I start to feel this sense of wanting to control everyone's behavior or getting upset about everyone's behavior. Pretty sure I've talked about this already, but that's something that is a challenge for me in terms of my thinking, not in terms of me actually uh, doing so, but I get very, my mind gets pretty toxic. I get this toxic perspective of, of wanting to just like, just getting upset that people aren't doing what they're supposed to do. It's like when I was a kid and I was in school and we'd have to sit up straight and fold your hands so you can go outside to go to recess and kids are going crazy and they're throwing things and they're not paying attention to the teacher and they don't, they're just being in the moment and having fun, which is okay. Um, but I remember feeling personally frustrated that like, why can't you see that if you just fold your hands, this one little thing you need to do, then you'll get freedom. You'll get whatever you want. Instead, a lot of us are fighting for that freedom every single moment of every single day. And that extends to adulthood. There are a lot of people who are very much freedom fixated. And I'm not just talking about the American version of freedom. I'm talking about freedom in terms of like, you know, the man can't hold me down. I could do whatever I want. Don't tell me what to do. Um, you know, even if it's good for them, there's just no sense of, uh, wanting to, you know, to, to comply for any reason. Now there's a couple of reasons for that. And one is like, there are personality type reasons for some of that. The EPs in the Myers-Briggs system tend to have more of a freedom fixation. Um, but there are also plenty of people like IPs. We have a, uh, a sense of autonomy uh, fixation. We have a rightness fixation, but we also value our autonomy. So I value being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want to do it. Um, I'm in the camp of, um, struggling a little bit to balance out, uh, living with an extrovert who, you know, Molly's amazing. Um, but there are sometimes moments where I have to find a balance of, of, of kind of turning the lights off and, and not being, feeling claustrophobic or sensory overloaded. And that's a responsibility I have to take for myself. That's not me blaming someone. Um, and I think that's a challenge is really hard for any of us to take personal responsibility for our own livelihood right now, because there's an external force that is keeping us from doing what we want to do. And that sucks. And that doesn't feel great. Um, so I, for me, making sense of the world is starts with understanding starts with empathy starts with this idea of like, I get why that makes sense to someone to be that way. You know, whether it's to be, um, extroverted, hyper extroverted or hyper introverted or to value your freedom or to value your autonomy, all of those things make sense. When you experience enough people in the world, when you ask enough questions, when you get curious enough about people, all of their varying behaviors tend to make sense, especially when you connect it all to the idea that we are just doing the best that we can as people to get our basic needs met, our survival needs. We're trying to make sure that we're fed. We're trying to make sure we have shelter. We're trying to make sure that we have a sense of security and that we have an opportunity to reproduce and to keep our genes going. All of those, th every single moment in history Every single quote unquote bad thing that someone's done has been in service of their actual or perceived safety and ego. So trying to feel safe, 
feeling safe is a is a result of um of uh, uh wanting to feel safe i should say and sometimes the disconnection between actually feeling safe and not feeling safe can be an ego fixation so what i'm saying is that kings and queens and and major uh figures in history who have done terrible things for the result of, as as the result of not getting what they want or not feeling a sense of internal security that you know you just keep mowing through people and a lot of people do this in relationships you sort of pass through people as if you're expecting this one person in your life to fix it for you and we have this challenge as humans that we want some external force to make us feel good to make us feel like we're safe when i feel in most cases whether you're an introvert or extrovert finding some sense of personal security happens from within identifying who you are what you stand for and what makes you you unique in relation to humanity and a lot of people have to face that right now and that is something that when i see the comments on twitter i have a hard time in real time having patience for it when i stop and think about it and i take time to relax breathe think about what people are going through think about why they're reacting the way they are i tend to <clears throat> be able to slow down and put myself in their shoes. Uh, Ram Dass, who is someone who was this, uh, he would be really interesting. I mean, he's he passed away in January. Uh, I, I would say he's lucky to have missed this, <laughs> but I'm sure he'd be having a field day understanding um, people's perspectives and talking about this. Um, but he, for a very long time, for decades, has been... Um, in essence, a spiritual guru for a lot of people, um, though I don't know that he would refer to himself as that. Ramdas would essentially say that there are multiple planes of existence in a sense. And in one of those planes of existence is the ability to kind of look at another person and feel this unified feeling of humanity, of being a human being, of existing, looking at that person and say, how... How did you get in that one? How are, who are, what, how did you, what is that one like? And in, a, in an essence, he's trying to say that all of our humanity is essentially the same. We are remixes of each other. And in a sense, our brains are all quote unquote, the same brain. And this is my interpretation, but we are operating them in different ways. So when you look at someone and you say, like, how did you get in that one? It's a curiosity about someone's experience. It's a way of looking at yourself and themselves as the same person. And having the same kind of love and respect and understanding and empathy for someone because you see them as you. You're the same person with the same yet different experiences. We have, holistically, we have different experiences we have different upbringings. We have different quote unquote personalities. We have different ways of existing. We have uh, different challenges, different perspectives, political affiliations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, we are all born as children with the same similar features for the most part, maybe different shades of brown. And we are essentially having to figure out 
how to navigate the world from there. And at some point, we splinter off so far from each other that we forget that the aspect that brings us all together is that we are the same species. I mean, essentially, we are the same race. We are the human race. But we find ways to differentiate each other based on very distinct, simple perspectives when it comes to, you know, color of our skin, regionality, uh, religion, things like that. Um, We end up making judgments on people based on the way that they were raised or the, the thoughts that ended up emerging on their mind because of their experience. Same with feelings. People think and feel things based on their perspectives and based on what they're exposed to, based on what they have access to. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're deliberately being a good or bad person. They are reacting to their environment. So the world at large we are a big ball of humans reacting to the moment. Everyone is reacting at the same time. We are reacting to each other and at each other. There is a series of coping mechanisms occurring all at the same time. We are dealing with different versions of ourselves that we're not used to seeing. One of the things that I've learned about personality typing is that humans are not single, singular focused beings. We do not have one mode. We are not that simple. And it's kind of fascinating to me that we put ourselves into this simple identity, whether it's like I'm a digital producer or I'm a podcaster or whatever. I'm, I'm a complex human being that is way more diverse than that. But we put ourselves into these simple, simple labels or status buckets that um, I'm going to make that a band name, status bucket. Um, <laughs> um or status buckets that are meant to exemplify who we are or who we wish to be or who we would like to present ourselves to be, but who are we actually? And that's usually a dynamic, complex, multifaceted, often dualistic, often contrarian or contradictory uh, versions of ourselves in various contexts and situations. We are not that simple and to understand that ourselves is not are not that simple is to understand that other people are also not that simple so when someone in your life shows up differently than you're used to that should be okay because that is going to be a familiar human being doing a thing that is a different part of themselves you're able to see more of a person you're not seeing a fake part of them. You're not seeing a, uh, you're, you're not seeing just the made up side. You're seeing this other version of them that exists. Even if you would quote unquote classify it as fake or to be different or unexpected, or they're trying to gain something from a situation, that's still part of who they are. They may grow from that and they may change from that. Because humans, again, are dynamic. They're dynamic horizontally and vertically. We are dynamic when it comes to how we interchange based on different contexts and different situations. And we are interchangeably different when it comes to our vertical growth as well, when it comes to our personal timeline. Some of us get stuck. Sometimes we get stuck 
when we hit a pothole in our lives, in our lives, we get mixed into to drugs or maybe an, an overbearing religion, or we get involved in a marriage that's not working, or we get involved in something that is detrimental to our growth. A lot of us pitch a tent and we stay there. And then we call that our identity. When in reality, we are continuing to be dynamic people. And to continue to be a dynamic person and to be able to grow means you need to be in a situation that allows for that dynamism to expand. So that expansion of your human self, your reality, your sense of self, your ego self, being able to grow from all of that is the opportunity for you to see others growing in that as well. Even when they're being frustrating, they're being mean, they're being quote unquote evil, quote unquote narcissistic, all of these terms that are actually mental health terms that we throw around to just refer to someone that is quote unquote abnormal, which is still very not great. Um, we call people names because they are a side of humanity that we're not comfortable with or we're not used to seeing. And often that's because that's a side of ourselves that maybe we've experienced before and we don't want to present to the world. And I find that some of the best people that I've come across in life tend to be fully dynamic and aware of the complete complicated nuanced awareness of their humanity. They know that they're capable of bad things. They do, they do not deny it. I am capable of saying very terrible things. I do not deny that ability. I do not say that I'm not a racist person. I have prejudices. Everyone has prejudices. It's a matter of accepting and understanding those prejudices that allow us to understand why others have prejudices. I'm using the word prejudices too much and it's like tripping me out. <laughs> um, so to, to look at other people for who they are and not judge them for who they are is a matter of understanding and I think is personally one of the first steps to a universal sense of empathy. It starts with the individual. Collective anything starts with individuals. A collective anything is a group of individuals. It's not people who are brainwashed. When anyone tries to assimilate someone into the group without having to honor their individuality, it becomes a Borg situation. You kidnap them, you plug them in, and they become a part of this. And then once they find their individuality, they turn on everything. There is no actual consent into the bigger picture of behavior, of being, of your ability to be a contributing member, member to society. So when I think about what makes sense or, or how to make sense of the world, it really starts one person at a time. And usually it starts with yourself. And I want to emphasize that it's not necessarily about complete understanding because sometimes we get wrapped up in complete understanding before we can move forward. It's not about complete understanding. It's about being in a ready stance to understand in moments when you need to understand. That doesn't mean to be naive. There are some people that you cannot reason with. There are some people that will hurt you uh, physically or put you in danger and you do have to take care of yourself. But as a whole, in terms of like the bickering, I mean, in terms of like, you know, political ideologies, religious ideologies, things like that, there is room to hold space 
to hear out someone's pain, to hear what someone has to offer or what they want to offer to the world. There are all these groups of people who are contrarian. They're anti-religion or they're anti-non-religion anti, um, uh, 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 anti or they are anti uh there are whatever um it's usually anti things but it's usually like uh you know like flat earthers or the people who are protesting right now in denver around the idea of um this covid19 nonsense quote unquote being uh this made up thing and people just want to leave and they're protesting the virus uh it is it it it's frustrating to just see that happen and it doesn't make sense to anyone who's trying to make sense of that behavior because they don't exhibit that behavior. But when I see something like that, the only questions that I ask myself are, how are you hurt? What is going on? What do you need? What are you missing? And even so, the flat earthers, that sort of, I'm not saying these are all the same people, but there are flat earthers. There are those types of uh, protesters in that scenario. And even on the, the, uh, the liberal side, cause I sound like I'm picking on um, Republicans or whatever. It's, it's just a matter of anybody who finds an allegiance, social justice people, they find an allegiance, they find a community, they find a space, they find ideologies, they find support uh, they find someone who agrees with them. They find someone who will entertain their ideas and hold space for them. The common theme is finding a group of people who will hold space. It's not whether or not the thing even makes sense. It doesn't matter. Obviously, we've been proven that it doesn't matter. Climate change deniers, uh, people who are big proponents of 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 movements in any direction, there is this common theme of simply just wanting to be heard, not to be told that they're right, though I'm sure plenty of people want that as well, but to feel like they fit in somewhere. And usually what they, where they fit in is with people who also are saying the exact same thing. All it is is a matter of community. They're trying to find connection. We're all trying to find connection. We're all trying to find people that will hold space for us and love us and connect with us and give us what we need, give us the opportunity to get our social, sexual, and self-preservation needs met. We're trying to make sure that we are getting our Maslow's hierarchy of needs met. Basic needs, food, shelter, love, support, reproduction, not getting sick. All of these things are basic human desires and there's a certain point where it doesn't matter how you get it and there's no sense to it. I think there's, for me as an INTP, and I teach a lot of INTPs on YouTube, and I also have um, workshops for INTPs and classes and courses and things, um, it can be very easy for any thinker type, anyone, any human being really who is trying to deny their emotional experience to overthink the situation. What I mean by overthink is to over overvalue analyzing the situation instead of feeling out the situation or being aware of the emotional awareness of the situation or even your own your own emotional awareness is very easy to think that well because i 
lean towards caring about objectivity that the thing that me as a person, I'm not going to be affected by anything that isn't objective. When the opposite is true, usually the more you lean into being an objective person, the more vulnerable you are to emotions. Therefore, that's why we avoid them. So for me, my emotional cup gets filled up pretty quickly. Um, so when I'm dealing with heavy emotions, uh, we watch the, the one world together, uh, stream, the Lady Gaga stream, which was great. It was so many amazing performances, but it was so heavy. It was a lot of emotional weight as if we aren't already feeling emotional weight. Uh, but for some people feeling deep emotional intensity is actually soul fulfilling for other people. It is not. So it is important to, again, make sure that balance is true for you, that if you're more uh, analytical and, you know, objective focused and thinking focused, that your exposure to emotions, to other people's emotions, the world's emotions is important to manage because you might get into a place again, where you start to lose sense of what makes sense for other people. Right. So as an objective person, I'm basically saying that being emotional makes sense for other people to be emotional. They're allowed to have that for thinkers being analytical and thinking and, and being intellectual about this moment in time, analyzing people or analyzing yourself or trying to figure out the moment that's valid as well. But while doing the analysis, you cannot forget that you are human, that they are human that we are all people, organic human beings that are responding to our environment and our circumstance. So our physical bodies are experiencing subconscious or unconscious stress that we are not aware of because we are only aware of our conscious mind. Many human beings are only aware of their, their conscious mind in terms of uh, what they're currently aware of. There's so much more depth to the human brain. So if you're going to take away anything from this podcast, it's the idea that we're not simple. We assume that we're simple. A lot of people want simple things, but those simple things are a measure of complex systems or complex abilities or complex thoughts, or could be an avoidance of complex thoughts. There are many, many reasons why we prefer and hope to be a simpler person, but we are not objectively a simple person. We have a complex brain wiring. There's this big old sponge in our brain that has a lot of neurons firing. There's a lot of things going on that we're not aware of. And all it takes to become a little bit more aware is to stop, to breathe, to listen to where you are, to pay attention and look at yourself and say, hey, how did you get in there? So I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode. I hope all of that made sense. Um, the idea generally is that, you know, we are just doing the best that we can to make best sense of the situation as we can. We're all dealing with difficult things. We're all dealing with hard feelings. We're all dealing with big feelings. Uh, and for a lot of people who have to deal with feelings that don't want to, it's okay to be frustrated by that. Uh, just don't take it out on other, don't take it out on other people. Uh, it's for you to figure out your emotions are your responsibility. So if you need to go in the car and yell for a while, you need to go do a 
go somewhere on your own and just be safe, wear gloves, wear a mask, uh, take care of yourself and each other, of course. Um, and just do what you can to just hold space for people. That's why everyone's just divisive and kind of in their own camps is because we don't trust each other. And I think developing a sense of trust between you and the people you care about is a good first start. And then extend that to some strangers. Sometimes you don't have to do it to any extreme extent, but practice your own patience and understanding that other people to what, whatever they're doing makes sense to them. And where you can start is figure out how that makes sense to them and then go from there. So before we wrap this up, I'm going to share a little bit of a word from one of my profiling session students. I'm Hayden and I'm an ENTP. I guess before I had a professional sort of um, personality typing experience, I didn't really know what to expect. I truly didn't think um, that it it would matter as much as it did. I, I I think that it's hard to it's hard to just sum up all the ways in which it's affected my life. Like I I look at myself completely differently now. I look at my relationships differently now. Um, I'm in the process of figuring out how I work best as a creative person, as a business owner. Um, this has touched every part of my life and it's really, there was, there was sort of life before this and life after, which I know sounds extreme, but it's not. That's a, that's totally true for me. I went into that session thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out more about myself. Great. And this will be fun. But it wasn't just that. Like I really got my top blown. Like I, (laughs) everything sort of turned upside down for me. I had to recontextualize a lot of my life, which was work, but it was the kind of work that gives you more clarity moving forward around who you are, who you want to be, the kind of expectations you put on yourself versus what is really true for you about what you want, what you need, how you connect. Um, And I had really been struggling hard before that. I had really been trying to figure out, you know, why things felt so stuck for me. I was feeling very stuck, very... um, just caught up in expectations versus reality and how I could move forward and stay true to myself at all. Um, There's a lot of pressure from all sides and definitely self-imposed pressure that I was constantly living in the state of reaction to rather than having a fuller understanding of how does my brain work? How do I process these feelings? How do I connect with others? Um, and I I thought I was doing it one way, and that was the way I was supposed to do it. And then I sat down for a freaking hour session, and, you know, 
my whole life is different after that. <laughs> I saw everything differently after leaving. I'm mm-hmm. still working through a lot of that. I'm still connecting a lot of dots. And it feels so good to do. It's so satisfying to understand yourself. It's a huge relief. And like if our if our goal, if if our life is about you know, having a relationship with yourself so that you can experience the world in a true and natural way um, and, like, sort of live to your fullest potential. This is so essential to that. Like, if you don't know yourself, if you don't know how you work best and how you connect best, how can you hope to feel free in your own life? Um, Yeah. I think I formed a lot of new trust with myself and and kind of there was a lot of healing that happened after I left that session. I thought, wow, there's so much work to do, <laughs> so much I have to reevaluate and and kind of take a second look at, you know, but in starting to do that, I've really let go of a lot of stuff that wasn't serving me, of bad self-talk, um, of these sort of ridiculous self-imposed expectations or, you know, externally imposed expectations. Letting go of that has been huge. Um, and I wouldn't have been able to start that work if I hadn't had a session, a session. If I hadn't had a session, I would not have been able to start that work at all. And I can't imagine my life without it now. Um, I think it would have taken me a lot longer to come to peace with myself um, and really start to appreciate who I am, what I make, how I um make relationships with others, how I tend to that relationship, how I tend to myself. Um, I hope any of this is helpful. <laughs> it's a lot less organized. Um, but I I do really see this as an indispensable experience. Like you really, if you're interested at all in really knowing yourself, um, and walking through your life true to that self, then you kind of need some foundation. Um, and it's incredibly helpful to be guided through that by a person with so much knowledge about what these types mean, how you can interpret that, how you can apply to your daily life, these principles, um, and just new ways of being, um, so I really appreciated it. I can't recommend it enough. I feel like it's all I've talked about with people since. I keep bringing it up. I don't even care if I'm annoying. <laughs> um, it's just been a, a really huge perspective shift for me. And it's brought so much benefit to my life. There's a little bit of what goes into uh, profiling session. So if you're wanting to learn your Myers-Briggs profiling personality, uh, we can do a profiling session, you and I, one-on-one. It's about uh, 45 to 90 minutes, depending on the timing, uh, how complicated you know the situation may be, how much we have to unfurl. But it's always a fun process. People always feel 
uh, enlightened to some degree afterwards. Illuminated is a word that I've heard used. Uh, it's an opportunity to just kind of calibrate to your sense of normal and take back a little bit of control in your life, especially in these quote unquote uncertain times. I'm getting a little annoyed at the use of uncertain times. Uh, I just said it cause it was funny and Molly and I were making fun of it the other day. Uh, yesterday, really, I don't know. All the days are bleeding together. I don't know which way is up, which way is down. We are in the upside down. It's totally fine. Um, that's it for now. We've got our personality profiling, profiling test, profiling, profiling, profiling. We've got our test up on our website. It is in beta, but if you'd like to go take it, if you know your personality type already, it would be amazing if you take that to help me calibrate it and figure out how to uh, improve it. So that's just like kind of a personal favor from me. And then of course, we've got other podcast episodes, our YouTube channel, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can reach me at Let's Go See Notes on all the social channels. And uh, with that being said, have patience for each other. Love yourself. Love one another. Take care of yourselves and each other over and over again. And I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya. This has been a C-Note Media Production.